thank you for downloading this podcast from Gaimere Baptist Church. You can find out more about our church at our website, gaimerebaptist.org.au. May God speak to you as you listen. Well, hello again. My name is Jodine. Um, and uh, my role here at uh, GBC is the Associate Pastor for Mission and Evangelism. And it's great to be with you here today. And I actually have a special moment too as well. Some of my family are here. <laughs> my brother and his wife and uh, my niece and nephew. I don't have family living in this state. So it is so special that they're here. I'm going to try and keep it together now. <laughs> Come on! All right. All good. All good. All good. Okay. But it is so wonderful to have them here, as it is so good to see all of you, our community here at GBC. As a kid growing up, it is a wild and wonderful ride. I mean, can you remember those times? <sighs> Being a kid. Some of you might still be kids. Some of you may have not grown up yet. And working out who you are and what you like and what you don't like. Ugh, yuck! Boys, girls, whatever it is. Ugh, vegetables. And trying with all your heart to make sense of it all and fit in. As a kid that grew up in Australia in the 1980s, I loved sport. I loved roller skating. <laughs> I loved fluoro. And I loved young talent time. <laughs> I know you're out there, I know you're out there. Side note, I actually got an audition for young talent time, but the show got axed before I got there. <laughs> Living out my years here now. And a school taught me education and learning were really important. And as my parents taught me, that being respectful to others was also important. And the world around me started to teach me also that the colour of my skin was also important too. People would often comment on the brownness of my skin or the darkness of my features or my odd name. I became aware of how some cultural practices of my family were unlike other families. And I became acutely aware of my differences and go so far to as even hide them when they make, make me appear to be different so I could just fit in. In a funnier moment, my family would often order takeaway Chinese from the local shop called Hong Kong Palace. And my dad would order it and put it under his name, Paul, although they used to always call him Mr. Paul. And one night I went with my dad to pick up the Chinese and ran in to get it. And as I ran in, I said, oh, I've come to get the order for Mr. Paul. I'm his daughter, I've come to pick it up. The owner of the shop, bless him, gives me the bag of takeaway food and says to me in broken English, you're not as black as Paul. <laughs> okay, I'm just gonna take my dim sims and get out of here. <laughs> and in the most extreme times, I was verbally abused and taunted with terrible racial slurs by other kids my age or even older at primary school, which carved a path of shame and confusion in my head and in my heart about who I was around my ethnic identity. Here in Australia, I think we recognise that race and culture is not a neutral topic. In fact, Cronulla, where I now live, became known around the world in 2005 for the Cronulla race riots. 
In Australia, at one extreme end of the spectrum, people fear refugees, accusing them of being terrorists that are coming to take over our country, our jobs and our houses, and they should just go back to where they came from. But at the other end, we get the narrative that says Aboriginal people should just get over it and move on from what's happened in the past, despite the fact that there were 170 massacres of their people and no mutual treaty ever being made between those two groups. And as we look at the world around us today, we see news reports of extreme racial tension, the Rohingya crisis between Myanmar and Rohingya people, the Syrian crisis, migration laws that separate families in America, and with the simmering global tensions that we see and people loving to show their military might of wanting to bomb each other, it sometimes feels that we are on the brink of World War III, right? But as followers of Jesus, what do we do with all of this? How do we actually look at this? This year, our theme at GBC is focus. And through the month of July, we're looking at our new strategic priorities, which are helping us focus on five particular areas that will give structure and shape to how we work out who we are and what we believe that God has called us to. And these five strategic areas that we believe are necessary to focus on are discipleship and leadership, which we've looked, about, looked at in the last two weeks, and also evangelism and youth and families, which we're going to look at in the next two weeks. And today, it's my great privilege to start the conversation around cultural diversity. And I invite you all to be a part of what is an ongoing conversation as we work this out together. I also want to give a big welcome to those who are listening on the podcast all around the world. We actually have people who connect with us from the UK, the US, Greece, New Zealand, United Arab Emirates, Spain, Germany, Italy, Czech Republic, China, Russia, Peru, and more. Who'd have thought? So let's give them a cheer to let them know that you are here with them. Come on, GBC. There you are. <laughs> and as we have people joining us online from all around the world, it's the same here in the Sutherland Shire. And because of that, we think it's really critical to the future that cultural diversity is something that we actually focus on. Our long-range intention is to be a community of faith for our local community. But shouldn't we already look like that if we're all from the community? Well, let's take a look. At our most recent estimation of population, we have about 227,000 people in the Shire. Our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander population is around 1.1% of the Shire population, which is about 2,500 people, 2,400. And this has increased by a couple of hundred people over the last census, or since 2011, when the last census was. 77% of the people born in the Shire were from Australia, or born in Australia, which is no surprise. But 18% were born in another nation. In 2016, 11% of the Sutherland Shire came from countries where English was not their first language. We have over 118 different nationalities represented here in the Shire, and over 75 different languages other than English, 
which is spoken at home by Shire residents. We see our Chinese population growing to over 3,000 people, plus the Filipino and Indian community are both over 1,000 people. Now, this might seem like a big multicultural shift, and it is, because historically, the Shire has been one of the most Anglo-Saxon communities in a city area in Australia. However, when you compare our multiculturalism to Greater Sydney, which you can see on the grey bars there behind us, it isn't so much of a dramatic change. So whilst there has been some significant change here, as compared to the areas around us in Sydney, it's comparatively smaller. But it's very much becoming our increasing reality, and this is why we believe it's important. As our cultural diversity changes around us in the suburbs, will we reluctantly deal with it as a fateful inevitability? Ah, oh, here they come. Or will we bury our heads in the sand? Or maybe, could this be God at work? Now, this is not about us playing nationality bingo. Oh, we'll get a few more of them, and a few more of them, and one there, and one there, and hey, bingo, we're all done. We don't have to think about this anymore. It requires a deep heart response from all of us. Can you turn to your neighbour and say, deep heart response. <laughs> yes, friends, it's going to be a deep heart response. And it's going to require an alignment of our DNA with the way that we live, think and act towards the way that Jesus embraced cultural diversity. And while in theory it can sound like a great plan, I think we all know that it's going to be complex and it's going to be challenging. But this was not a foreign concept to the early church. In fact, cultural diversity was the standard environment and the necessary conduit for the early church. After Jesus rose from the dead over sin and death, he leaves his followers with these words that we see in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 that says this, And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The message was always intended to be multicultural in destination, based on the names and the cities of the people who inhabited them. Plus, I love the catch-all phrase of, to the ends of the earth, you know, just all out there. <laughs> it was intended to be sent, to be heard, to be wrestled with, to be understood, to be considered by all people. In chapter 2 of the book of Acts, we see the Holy Spirit poured out. And one of the miracles is that the crowd nearby, full of people with all different backgrounds, hear people who are not from their nation speaking in their language. Say what? <laughs> what a crazy, awesome miracle, which again served to reveal the heart of God wanting to reach and cross boundaries to all people. In chapter 2, Peter refers to a prophecy in Joel that, made, uh, that was made and speaks out that in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. There's no limitation, there's no boundaries on who that is. The only criteria that you need is to be a person. In chapter six, there was a conflict with the early church leaders that they had to resolve the issue of Greek-speaking Jewish widows versus the Hebrew-speaking Jewish widows. And they had to sort all that out and its complications. 
In chapter 10, Peter, who was an upstanding Jew who never associated with anyone who wasn't Jewish, as according to his cultural traditions, that was guided by God to actually abandon that practice and speak to Cornelius, the Italian, and his colleagues. And we hear his change of heart in Acts chapter 10 and verse 28, that he says, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with a Gentile or visit them. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. And his willingness to see God's perspective above his own traditions unlocks a miraculous movement of people coming to faith, receiving the Holy Spirit, and Peter going on to say, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation. Later on, Peter was criticized by other believers for hanging out with people that weren't Jewish. They could not believe it or get over it. But Peter recounts the whole miraculous story and says again, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? Prior to Jesus coming on the scene, people were bound by hardwired, actively taught and unconsciously lived rules of culture. Jews didn't hang out with Gentiles, and Gentiles are people who are not Jews. Jews didn't see eye to eye with Samaritans. The Romans were in power and dominated everyone, and everyone hated the Romans because they were the most powerful. And people lived by these rules and did not contest these assumptions because they were the rules of the game. But Jesus' approach contested and messed with the prevailing model and became the game changer. Jesus smashed, smashed cultural, gender, socioeconomic, religious, and societal norms where people were oppressed and held back from embracing life to their full potential. And you see that the gospel thrives on cultural diversity time and time and time again through the book of Acts and beyond. And as the early church was a complicated space of crossing over boundaries and barriers and was a bit of a hot mess, so will it be for us. And that sentiment is captured when Paul writes to the church of Galatia. And he writes in chapter 3, verse 26, So in Christ you are children of God through faith. And goes on to say that well-known line, that there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave or free, neither is there female or male, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. While Paul observed that people in his day viewed and sorted and judged people depending on where they come from, what they look like, and who they associated with, this narrow-minded view of seeing and judging people would no longer work for people who were followers of Jesus. Because they would have had shut down the unfolding story that God was writing beyond the boundaries of traditions and mindsets. In Jesus' radical kingdom of grace and love, everyone was on common ground. No one was superior or inferior based on some human construct of biology, geography, or physicality. And if the new perspective was that every person is created in the image of God and loved by God so much that Jesus was willing to give his life for them, then as followers of Jesus, we should treat people as such. With value, love, and dignity, I think the way that we'd all like to be treated, right? 
And more than just removing cultural diversity and making people one big homogenous vanilla group that's all the same, cultural diversity is actually included and celebrated across the whole biblical narrative. From the beginning in Genesis, the promises were intended to go to all nations. Right through to the book of Revelation, we're given a future vision of every tribe, every tongue, every nation, and all people and languages standing before God. And get this, the Bible was originally written in three languages, Hebrew, Aramaic, and Koine Greek. And not one person is here, in here speaks English. No one was English in here. Mind blown. You don't even think of that, do you? Because we read it in English and we assume they're just living like us and driving and doing all the things that we do. This was such a radically different culture at the time. Jesus and his early followers would have been to some degree multilingual because they lived in a multicultural society. And the Bible is the most translated book in the world, being available in over 500 languages and translated in some portion in at least over 2,900 languages as well. It's insane. And while there is a necessity for linguistic translation to go beyond boundaries, there's also a necessity for us to translate the gospel through our lives, to literally be Jesus with skin on, with all the people that we meet and engage with. And especially to those whom we may perceive a greater cultural difference, and to those who maybe our prejudices are against, or to the pervading cultural Australian threatening language that we choose to use for particular groups and people. Because if we're not approaching cultural diversity with an open-minded, courageous attitude, which what the early church did, then we might be shutting down what God is actually opening up. Jesus is never a license to build a fortress of moral superiority where we enshrine our own cultural superiority, uh, our perspectives, our practices, and our way of life as gospel above the gospel. Jesus is our example and our invitation to break down those walls that divide us and probably find that there's more that actually unites us together. Because we too are pilgrims in a strange land and can identify with the fact that we need to be welcomed, that we crave to belong, to be loved, to be known, to be heard, and in community. Because if we're honest, that's what we spend most of our time doing. People don't need you to point out that they're different. They already know. Oh, you can't speak the language very good. Registered that when I got here. <laughs> but what we can point out is that in spite of what the world may be saying around them, your love and acceptance is available and embraces them. And in our world that prefers comfort more than discomfort, sometimes it's easier and much more comfortable to hang out with people that are like us and artfully avoid the people who are not, oh, dodged that one, great, back to my people. So we've got to be consciously thinking about this stuff and checking the motivations of our heart. Because it's really easy to believe stereotypes, to jump to prejudice, to be reluctant to engage, or even be flat-out racist. And that quickly rejects the image of God in people and rejects the possibility of God being present in all life circumstances. 
I really encourage you to go back and have a listen to the message that we had in May Mission Month in week four, uh, where Scott Higgins spoke on racism. It was an incredible discussion. And even listen to the update on the same day by Baptist World Aid that speaks of a project that we have been prayerfully and financially supporting the past three years, which is called Syrian Assist. Syria is a nation which is currently in its worst civil uh, war in its history. There's around 13 million refugees who have had to abandon everything and run for their lives. And the chief of the United Nations Human Rights Council describes it as the worst man-made disaster since World War II. Over one and a half million Syrians have had to run to neighboring Lebanon. Now, Lebanon was the sworn enemy of Syria. And at one point in recent history, Syria actually bombed Lebanon for six months. How do you think the Lebanese would feel about an influx of Syrians into their country? How would you feel like it if you were in their shoes? But the Lebanese church has got together and chosen to go beyond their own prejudices. And to some degree, abandon well-justified fears of their enemies who've got bombs. And they've taken in these refugees to clothe, to feed, to love, to accept, to educate, to rehabilitate their former enemies. And this is the project that we've been part of supporting. It's incredible because they recognize as those who have freely received the love and grace and forgiveness of God, that they're not in a position to decide who should and shouldn't receive that love, grace and forgiveness also. And freakishly, many of these Syrians, as they're running for their lives, have been having these visions of Jesus. And then they get to these places that take them in and they're like, oh, okay, we're you know, Christians of the church and then we follow Jesus. And they're like, that's the guy. And they're like, what? It's amazing what God is doing in what seems to be a completely hopeless and futile situation. It's not about us being reluctantly tolerant but it's a lavish embrace, as the Lebanese church have done and the way that Jesus has done for us. And from that place, it's incredible what God could do in any situation, would you agree? So with all that in mind, we have some long-range intentions that are going to help us start to frame how we see this cultural diversity here at GBC. And these are just some first steps. It's going to be a hot mess, people, right? A hot mess. But this is what we're going to do. We're going to make it simple for people to join us. We shouldn't make it difficult for anyone to follow Jesus. We looked at that at the start of the year, and Jesus just invited everyone. It's like, yeah, just follow me. Whereas we'd be like, oh, don't take them. They're, they're a hot mess. You know, why? Jesus accepts people to follow him with zero conditions. And inevitably, a crisis of decision of faith will come about, but anyone was welcome to follow Jesus, and we should reflect that in how we function. Secondly, we will intentionally address our own racism and discrimination, adopting a posture of humility. When it comes to racism, as much as I've received it, 
I also have to say, I've given it pretty good too, in subtle and not so subtle ways. And I don't want to go down that well-worn path, which is such an ugly side of Australian culture that just loves to lay the boot into people just so easily and stacks on, pile on people that we think are inferior. And I think when we go there, it says more about our lack of character than the actual person that we're sledging. And it's often our own unstated prejudices that are born out of ignorance or based on stereotypes that actually stand in the way of cultural diversity. So we need to pay attention to the, the frontiers of our own ignorance when it's casual, when it's subtle, oh, it's just a joke, and bring ourselves into that refining, clarifying space of humility. And finally, we will listen to and learn from those who are different from us. Well, let me tell you, I love telling people what I... One author writes, people are hard to hate close up. Move in. Move in to people. If you are finding you're struggling or you don't understand, people are so hard to hate close up because you soon find out that they're really like you, regardless of what they look like. And when we can listen and learn from others and get closer to them in the spirit of curiosity and generosity, I think we all end up the better for it. In just over 50 years, Australia's population has doubled from more than 11.6 million people to 24.4 million. One in four Australians are now migrants, and for the first time in our history, the majority of people with a migrant background are actually Asian and not European. The global village has changed, our national village has changed, and our local village has changed. And if the complex rescue of a Thai soccer team can bring the world together with hope and joy, or the finals of the World Cup soccer match, which is on tonight between Croatia and France in the wee hours of the morning, can bring over three billion people, which is like half the world's population together, for 90 adrenaline-fueled minutes. What a world of difference will it start to make in someone's world if we as a church embrace cultural diversity and more importantly, embrace the people that are attached to that. Cultural diversity is not for our consumption when we go on an overseas holiday. It's on our doorsteps, it's in our streets, it's in our suburbs right now, and it's amongst us today, here, it's always been part of the biblical narrative and the foundations of the early church. And I pray that it increasingly becomes a part of our unfolding story here at GBC. It's got to be a hot mess. But let us open our eyes to see who is around us. Take a look. But mostly, let us open our hearts to join in where God is already at work amongst us so that we can be a community of faith for our local community. How's that sound? Cool. Well, I'm going to ask Roxy to come up, and she is going to lead this part of the service as we have a time of response. Thanks, Jodes. What a challenging and
the message that is. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up and the prayer team when you're ready to come and stand down the front. Um, we've been doing our closings a little bit differently over the past few weeks and today is no different. And what we've been doing is just having a little time where we can allow God to seal in us what we've heard to, um, to give you an opportunity to respond in a way um, to, to the challenge that's put out or the, the word that's spoken. And today we're going to do that as well. And what we're going to do is in a moment... Um, we're going to pray together, which is not unusual. We pray in church quite a bit, you might have noticed. But today what I'm going to invite you to do is just as we've, we've had our, our thinking challenged and we're reorientating ourselves into the, to look at people the way God looks at people, when we pray, I'm actually going to ask you to stand and instead of just facing the front, I'm going to ask you to reorientate your body um, in a different direction. Um, and I don't know about you, but when I come into church, I lose track of where anything is. I seriously have no idea which way's north, south, east or west. And so I've discovered that there's an app for that. Um, and so uh, if, if we look this way, that is north. So if you work in the city and you're head north, that's that way. Um, so let's, let's do a little test. So if that's north, which way is the ocean? Everyone point to the ocean. Oh, lots of people have got it. Yeah, so north and well, east, the sun sort of rises in the east, so it's kind of that way. And uh, that way south, if you want to head down to Wollongong, it's... Yeah, excellent. And if you want to head out west, it's behind. Absolutely. So you're all facing west at the moment. So in a little while, I'm going to ask you to stand. Just And then when, when I get you to stand, I'm going to get you to turn your body in the direction that you spend a bit of time dealing with your local community. So if you work in the city and you head north, I'm going to get you to turn north. If you uh, work down Cronulla, I'm going to get you to turn that way, towards the beach. Or uh, maybe if you're at school out at um, Inabara or uh, a Christian school, you might sort of turn this way-ish. <laughs> uh, wherever you spend most of your time, uh, whether it's work or uni or school or uh, down at the bowls club, wherever it is, um, you can orientate yourself into that position. Uh, it might be a bit weird. You might be facing the person next to you. That's okay. You can, you can pray with your eyes closed or you can just stare lovingly into their eyes if there's someone special to you. That'd be, uh, that'd be awesome. And we're just going to um, ask God to go with us into those spaces and to forgive us for the times that we have not been sensitive to, um, to those around us. So can I ask you to stand with me and um, the prayer team can make their way forwards as we pray. So I'll lead us in prayer and then we're going to worship. But of course, our prayer team are here um, and they will pray with you about anything, about what's been raised today or whatever's going on in your life. If you want prayer for Winterfest, you can go down the front as well. So face, face the space that you want to face and let me, um, let me lead us in prayer. If you're comfortable as well, you want to hold out a hand in that direction, you feel free to do that. Father God, we thank you for the challenge that we have received this morning. 
Thank you, God, that you go with us into all directions, into all places. Thank you that our, our, our vision as a church, God, our, our mission as a church is in that everywhere we go and in everything we do, we will invite everyone to follow Jesus. Oh, God, there are times when we have been guilty of being racist just through our, our words or our actions or our attitudes. We might not have even meant it, God, but we've done it. We've all done it. And Father, we ask that you'll forgive us for not treating people as the most precious people because you've made them that way. God, we, we face the place that we work or we study or we, we learn or we grow or we, we have leisure time. And God, we ask that when we go into those spaces and places that you would make us more like you, Jesus. Make us more like you. You do not show favoritism. Help us not to show favoritism. We pray for a deep heart response that you'll give us a heart like Christ. And just as Jesus opened his arms and said, follow me, everyone. And just as the early church went to the ends of the earth and the disciples went to the ends of the earth, help us, God, to be a church that is so open and willing and, and a safe place for our community. Help us to go to the ends of the earth with the good news that you are God, you are King, and that you love all peoples. And with that, God's church said, Amen. Amen. You may turn and face west.